Hi there, and welcome to How To with Ann Malum. When deciding to do this podcast, I really wanted to create something that could give people real tools on how to execute on certain things. So often we talk about things on such a macro scale that yes, leaves people inspired, but with no real idea on what the steps are to make something in their own life happen. I challenge and encourage and probe my amazing guests to get granular and specific on their strategies, their mindset, their tactics, and their methodologies so that you can learn practical, actionable steps to best optimize your confidence, career, health, and wealth. What's up, everybody, and welcome to How To with Ann Malum. Today, I'm thrilled to have Alexa Curtis with us today. Alexa's How To is how to build your personal brand. Alexa is currently the co-founder of Grasshopper, a platform that she founded to help young women entrepreneurs really build the career path that they are trying to create for themselves. You know, Alexa, I'm just going to toss it over you right away because you can explain it better than I can. And I know you have more of a background. You also used to have a radio show with Disney and your passion seems to be helping women fulfill their dreams, which I am also super passionate about. So I'm so pumped to talk to you today. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. Obviously a huge fan of your work and continued success. I started a blog back in 2011 when I was 12 and built it out into a lifestyle platform. No money, no connections. Managed to start a podcast that helped me land a show on Radio Disney. And while I was at Disney, had started to build up this college summit program uh, and did about five college summits on being fearless and then met my my now co-founder for Grasshopper. So Grasshopper pretty much adopted Be Fearless Summit. And now I work with my co-founder, Heather, to help these young women reach their fullest potential through content, through summits, uh, and a lot of educational stuff. I love that. And I also love at 12 years old because you hear people, women, men, doesn't matter. You know, it's like, oh, you're too young. Oh, you're too old. You, you know, and there's just this, this notion out there that we have this small window to start things, to be successful, to get married, to, you know, all of these things of like, oh, you, you passed that point or, you, you know, you don't have enough experience yet. So I love that you were 12 years old. Where did that come from? When I was seven, my dad was actually wrongfully convicted and put in prison in Rhode Island. So uh, the year that he got out actually is the year that I started my blog. And this was back in 2007, 2000. So sorry, I he went in when I, in 2007. He got out in 2011 when I started. So this is before TikTok didn't exist. Instagram barely existed. Uh, so starting a blog was more just like a fun hobby. I was a kid. I was in you know public school. I didn't really have any friends. And the writing part for me was always very therapeutic. And so I've really seen how the times have changed to where all these young people want this viral instant success. And I encourage all of them to look up to entrepreneurs like you because this building a business is not really something that commonly happens overnight. Totally. And well, one, I have so many questions about even your dad, your dad out now. And yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, but I mean, it completely ruined like yeah. oh my, God. my child. It's actually one of the key issues I'm super passionate about. There's a great book called The Sun Does Shine by Anthony Ray Hinton. I don't know huh. if you know who it is. Yeah. So Anthony, I, I, uh, you know, I watched the show just mercy and I've always been super passionate about that issue because I think it's just horrific. I can't imagine obviously very few of us can of spending time in prison for a crime, you know, you didn't commit and no one believes you and how not just the, the time that gets stolen from you, but your loved ones and everything else. So I met Anthony, I, I read his book and I was just so inspired and I was like, can I come meet you? And I went down to Alabama and spent time with him. 
and uh, had ran a nonprofit from years back, same thing of just um, people being wrongly accused and convicted of things that they didn't do. And so I'm really sorry you had to go through that, even though I'm sure you have found the silver lining and made the most of it, but it still doesn't take away the time you lost from your dad. No, but it's quite remarkable. You say that most people that I know are don't have that feeling towards it. It's so rare. I mean, it's obviously common that like you want to help the homeless. You want to help XYZ charity. This is such a specific. I'm really involved with like Innocence Project and a big fan of this one called Reform. So I really respect that. And I'm not sure if you had a personal experience, but I respect that you're involved with it because we need figures like you talking about this. Yeah, no, I, 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 I haven't. I just, you know, I through through my time and working with the homeless, I've always had been drawn to people who've got the short end of the stick or misunderstood. And, you know, that's as bad as it gets, right? People ending up in prison for something they didn't do. And you end up in this criminal justice injustice system. We're going off on a tangent, guys, but bear with us. That obviously, again, just strips people and and the amount of time Anthony Ray, you know, spent in prison appealing. He was on death row. And the only reason he didn't get executed was because his case was constantly appealed and they had to take it all the way to the Supreme Court, which overturned it and said there was not enough evidence here to convict this guy. And so, you know, the state of Alabama, after all of that, didn't even give him a retrial. They just said, okay, we're just going to let you go. So we never got any reparation. He never got paid. His felonies on his record. None of it has been expunged. So he's had to, you know, again, it's, it's like another slap in the face after knowing that he didn't commit this crime. I mean, the lack of evidence was crazy that wasn't there and they still did it because he was a poor black man in in alabama so really upsetting but my good friend jason plum i don't know if you know jason yeah, he, of course crazy so i got connected to jason in new york um through his work with the innocent project and he, he crazily just texted me today we haven't talked in weeks so the universe is working its magic as it always does i know that's so cool i mean i have so many that's a whole other conversation right but i just would say i really applaud you for for speaking out about it because there's Everyone thinks cops are on your side and that's just yeah. not reality. So, yeah. Um, well, amazing. Again, different podcast. We could talk about that for it sounds like several other hours. But OK, so you started a blog and then what what happened at 12 years old? You know, it sounds like you were doing it for your own therapy, but obviously it must have developed into something. Yeah, good question. So it really was kind of an evolution. I mean, I, I did it between 12 to 14. I was like posting every day back in the day. I mean, it was on WordPress. It wasn't like I was paying uh, it's it's all it was all free. I mean, I would have my mom take pictures of me and, and it started as a fashion blog. And then I was pretty resilient and persistent, uh, probably borderline harassment to how I would like need people to reply to my email. Rejection just never existed. And I, I don't really have any experience with entrepreneurship in my family, so I'm not quite sure where that came from. But I would just email writers and whatnot, managed to get myself a small writing gig unpaid still. I mean, I was in high school with Huffington Post. And then at the time, I started to realize, uh, as in conversations with my mom, who really didn't have any money because of what happened to my dad at this point, and she's a nurse, I mean, super traditional upbringing, uh, that I was not going to have any money to go to college. And so I was failing out of high school doing this blog. And so I convinced my mom to let me transfer to online school. So I finished uh, my last year of high school online, moved out with like nine suitcases, found an apartment through a girl I knew uh, in Bedside, Brooklyn, moved out and gave like I had 30 days to pay that first day of rent. Uh, and so I went to a Sally Beauty supply store in Bedside, Brooklyn, took photos of all of the brands and just emailed them and was like, I have a website. Uh, 
you know, I think, and, and back then there was a subscribe button on the sidebar. So you could see how many subscribers and stuff you had and started every week being able to work with different brands. And from there started to do uh, through LinkedIn, a few people randomly would reach out to me and say, hey, do you manage social media? I would never really disclose my age. And yeah. so I ended up through word of mouth just starting to do people's social media and met a girl who was a TV personality. Uh, and I asked her, how do you make money off of this? And she was like, oh, I'll reach out to a brand and they pay me. So I would pitch Rachel Ray. I would pitch Fox and say, hey, can I come on? I'm a teen blogger. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is so cool. And then I would go to like a Kohl's or a TJ Maxx. And it's yeah. really started to build from there. And then when I was about 18, I started talking more about social media, mental health and entrepreneurship and managed to spin the whole thing to more personal branding and entrepreneurship. Um, okay. Wow. This is so impressive. And I love the hustle and the bravery. Like if you guys were listening, I don't think how, like, just let that digest for a second. 17 years old, not only do you not finish high school, which, you know, I like to think that I'm like, oh, I've taken some brave moments in my life, but to have that foresight at 17, when there's probably not a lot of people around you who are like choosing to drop out of high school, uh, for reasons of you're like this, whether it's not working for you or you want to do this other thing and move someplace to New York without really the resources and being willing to figure it out. I mean, that is your, you are well beyond your maturity and, you know, just not, you know, having enough experience to know that, like you must've really just trusted yourself at that point to know you were going to figure it out. Yeah, I don't know. And I think that's where the whole word fearless. I mean, when I pitched the show to Radio Disney, it was called fearless every day. I find some entrepreneurs and I don't know which one you are, but you either go into it like, here's the plan. It's going to work. These are all the steps and they're willing to take a pivot. I think because of my age, I didn't know the possibility of like it. I There was no the words not stupid, but it was uh Naive. Yeah, totally naive. I mean, I had nothing to lose and my parents couldn't stop me because they had no money to send me to college. My dad was, you know, still dealing and still is with the repercussions of what happened to him. So when I said I'm going to New York, it wasn't like we can stop you because I was like, unless someone's paying me to stay in Mansfield, Connecticut, I'm out. Like, I'll figure it out. So, yeah, it was just fearless. Yeah. Um, I think the naivete is actually super valuable, too. I felt the same way when I look back. I'm like, man, if I would have known how many roadblocks and obstacles and work and, you know, hardships were coming from when you decide to do something like that, you never, you never would do it. So uh, when you are young enough and you have less to lose, it, it actually can work in your favor as well. And you just have, you know, more opportunity to pivot. So, okay, awesome. So you end up, um, you know, again, let's just pause for a second, talk about the personal brand piece, because you got people to trust you, Alexa, at a pretty young age. You know, what advice with, you know, people are listening right now of, oh, I've had this idea. I want to start doing X. Like, you know, what what pieces of advice would you give folks um, at this stage who are considering uh, starting something like that, whether it's online with their reputation or or the, the, um, the branding aspect of things? Yeah. So when I look at a lot of entrepreneurs, and I think you're such a great example of this as a product, for me, I was able to build a brand around a personal brand, but there was still a website, there was a podcast, there was like TV content, all of that. And so I find most people nowadays are so focused on like, I have this company and it needs to go viral on TikTok, or I need my ideas to go viral on TikTok. And if they don't, that's a failure. 
But most of these successful brands built up and even if they have exits, it's with newsletters, it's with website views. So I think my first is if you can build a brand that has legs that isn't relying solely on TikTok and Instagram, that's a huge that's a huge fact. And if you can't, then really maybe this isn't your money idea because it needs to have legs that are not relying totally relying totally on the Internet. And second, probably why would you say that? Like, I think I know the answer, but someone listening and be like, wait, what? I see all these like major TikTok stars, influencers. Why? Why won't that work? Because it's unreliable. They're not in the business of keeping you around to make you money. It's all that. Whereas these websites, right? Newsletters, those are your core people. They're the ones who are going to show up to your first five classes at the gym you want to build or like at the coffee shop you want to have. And social media is so it's so geared towards that quick, fast content now. So I find that because I started it so young and was able to build that audience, it's very appealing to brands when I go to reach out to them or pitch them ideas. I've got so many numbers in so many different areas. I don't have a million Instagram followers, but I don't find that I need to yet. Like I haven't had that moment yet where that's happened, which is okay because I've got these areas where the brand, the following is still there. And even more aware of what I'm doing. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, too, what I'm hearing also is have some patience and be, and, and you get patience through consistency. So continuing to put out the content, a lot of people fall into this. It's like, oh, my God, I don't want to post because it's not perfect or it's not exactly like there's a frequency and frequency and consistency are not the same thing. But you have to keep sort of getting data and information of what's resonating, what's working, you know, oh my God, this one article got four times the amount of reads as this one. Why is that? But you can't information gather without putting information out there. Yeah. And also knowing your voice. And I think that's a huge struggle for young people nowadays is because everyone's an influencer. Everyone's got this. And so there's a, you're not even able to take that leap at this point because you already in your mind think you failed because you've so many people are doing it, but it's like, you know, you have to find that audience and that voice. If a thousand people are posting about fashion, then great. You can post about it too, but what's your spin? Because so it's so saturated. It's, it's harder now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, t- yeah, totally. And it's, we do, we live in this era where it's like you watch somebody become successful overnight and, and normally you end up hearing about that person. So people just think, oh, that's how success is. You just have to like strike gold or hit whatever. And I'm like, gosh, that has not been my experience, you know, and my personal brand has been built off of that consistency and delivering results. And SolidPort took nine plus years with a pandemic in the middle of it and a takedown article and being evicted from studios. Like you just have to stick to it when it gets continually hard, which makes it all worth it if I'm being honest. But I've always said success and building any sort of brand, right? It's this slow build. And I was in a major accident almost actually four years ago to the date. And I'm like, gosh, an accident or something negative, just like that, snap of a finger is right. But when you want success, it is literally this slow, consistent, you can't see it every day, but showing up and that's how you end up getting there. So that's like the complete opposite. I always found that super interesting. When I I booked this podcast with you, like right around when I saw that you had exited SolidCore and I I a few weeks ago or months ago, I'm not quite sure now, looked at the press release and it said, I think you had started it in 2013 in DC. And I think I thought you had maybe like, I was like, because it's so trendy, it's so cool. And now other people have copied you. So I just went into it like, oh, you, I can't believe you exited in like 
15 and a half months. And I reminded me, because of course I deal with so many moments. Is this working? Will it work? What's the thing? And I was like, oh, this is the reminder I needed in that moment of like, this is, you just have to keep doing it. And that's why so many startups fail and so many uh, don't succeed is because most people can't get past doing something for nine years and not knowing the answer. Yeah, totally. And just like, how long is this going to take? And that's why even with the personal brand, which, you know, obviously what we're talking about, guys, you have to enjoy the journey along the way. It's like, I loved, I loved building solid core. I, I still today when people, you know, I'm going to take class later this afternoon and it's like, there'll be people in that class who are like, oh my God, thank you so much for creating solid core. Like it's changed my life. Like that is so fueling for me to make like that. I'm like, oh, I created this thing that didn't exist that has enhanced people's lives, that has become people's careers, that has like helped them get through an injury, that has helped them get through a divorce. Like there's nothing that fills my cup up more to know I'm making, creating things that have positive impact. So if like exactly, I think you said about finding your voice from your personal brand, you have to have something that you're very excited about uh, in your own life that you want to introduce people to or educate people on. And there's a lot of those things out there, but if it's not authentic and you're not passionate about it, it gets very difficult to show up in a way that people want to be engaged with you. Thousand percent. I mean, you said it exactly how I would even say it there. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So talk to us, you know, about, okay, you, you, again, you've got this, you know, blog going and then um, how did the radio show happen and just kind of continue on your path. And I might stop you in between and be like, oh, let's dive deeper into that. Let's give the lesson there. Yeah. So I went from New York. I stayed there for a year and realized being that age uh, and as broke as I was, was so fucking hard. So I, uh, this is like during the days of Tinder, I had met a guy on Tinder and we dated and he was kind of like an idiot for like six months. But I became friends with all of his friends who were studying at Northeastern, but doing this co-op program in Queens. Mm -hmm. So I, they were all going back to Boston. And I was like, I never really had any friends or like community. And I didn't go to college. So I decided to move back to Boston. Well, not back, but to Boston, found an apartment on Craigslist, moved all of my stuff from Bed-Stuy and then uh, was still doing the website and really making like a full-time living off of the TV segment. So they were, I mean, they made me lose my mind. It was the hardest. And still, even when I do them now, if I have to, it's exceptionally hard, but I would get models and work with 15 different brands and then pitch it to the producer and then fly to whatever city. And then I was I got myself into some deep debt because I wouldn't be paid for 90 days. So I'd have to pay up front. But that was really the only way to do it because my website wasn't making 5K a month uh, at that point. So I did that. And then I had also started a podcast called This Is Life Unfiltered and still through the same thing. I mean, through through pitching, through just, you know, not taking no for an answer. I've managed to get some pretty big guests on it. And so I was able to go to Radio Disney. I had found an email list online of 466 producers. And I remember the exact day I even wrote the email and I BCC'd them, which was silly, but I BCC'd them all on one email. It was this massive producer list. And I think about two weeks later, I got a response from a woman named Angela, who was at the time the head of Radio Disney's name was Phil Guarini. It was his assistant. Uh, and it said, you know, Phil got your email. If you live in LA, let's take a meeting. And I was like, if I live in LA and I, uh, I within like a, two days, I sub, I just knew it was like, this is one of those opportunities that if I don't do an act, like this has already been in the works, I'm going to lose it. So I called up a friend of mine from childhood, subletted my apartment, found an apartment in LA for three months in West Hollywood. It was like the worst apartment we've ever lived in. Uh, within 
that like 12 weeks of being there had done a TV segment because I was still pretty broke. Uh, A manager had seen me on the TV segment, gotten my number, called me and was like, you know, this is interesting. Like, what is this stuff that you do? How do you make money? And I was like, yeah, screw all of that. I've got a meeting and I'm probably going to look really bad if I don't show up with someone else who believes in me. And I think because of that, they took me on as a client and it was the one, you know, the top five agencies. And so over the course of like six months, we started meeting with them um, negotiating this deal, uh, got the show. Then they found a video that I did that they didn't like, said no to the show. I went into like a deep depression for six months. My friend at the time had left LA, hated it there. I had no friends. I knew no one. Uh, my manager, I would call Disney every day, like the videos down, please, whatever. I was like, I screwed up. I can't believe this. Blamed it on my mom. Cause she had like posted, gotten my dad in the newspaper the Harvard Current to try and get a story out there I thought Disney of course doesn't want this kind of story and reputation they would never want this kind of talent I go and see my sister who was living in Turkey like still so depressed um, I fly back it was like June 13th or something it was 7 30 in the morning I get a call from my manager and she just said you got the fucking show and uh, the guy just called her out of the blue and was like so sorry I know she deleted the video I've been so busy for six months please come in and we can work on the contract I God most traumatic experience but the most memorable in my career as an entrepreneur so I signed uh, it was about like a two-year deal with them and then I left to do this other company okay so much to obviously unpack there and again for you guys listening there's a lot of nuggets beyond just building the personal brand it is taking a shot you've got to take you've got to take some risk anybody that you're sitting and looking at that you admire that you respect you're like I want that there was massive risk taking along the way. And you might hear no, and you might get rejected and things might not work out. And I think even the generation, you know, I'm I'm at the tail end of like the millennials, but like, we are so afraid of rejection. We are so afraid of just like someone not accepting us. So we avoid all of those situations. And guys, I can tell you any person, any woman, any man, anyone that is where you want to be, they got good at being rejected. And the only way you get good at being rejected is by getting rejected and learning how to process it and be like, great, awesome, on to the next. Just because someone tells you no doesn't mean they're right. Just because someone tells you no doesn't mean that like your idea is bad. It just means that like that's not right for them. And when you give away your power to somebody else that their opinion of what it is you are or want to be like that's a lot of power to give away and letting somebody else decide, you know, your future. So I think that's like a pretty amazing thing about your story so far. And anybody I know that has made it has had that level of resilience. Doesn't mean that there aren't tough days. It doesn't mean that, you know, we don't go in moments where we're where we're sad, where we doubt ourselves. But at some point you pick yourself back up and you keep going. Exactly. That's all it is. And I mean, it's it's interesting when you say that of like giving that person that power, because looking back, that's what I did. I mean, I was on the brink of suicide. I've always dealt with depression and anxiety, but I was so angry at myself. And it was like sex ed videos for teens. I mean, looking back, I give myself credit. I was like a voice, you know, talking about sex ed for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like they hadn't done their due diligence and I shouldn't have had those videos. No one told me like I had no idea, but it wasn't like I was having intimate experiences on camera I was just saying you know use birth control use condoms whatever uh and I gave you know Disney of course so much power which is okay but had I known what I know now I would have said okay you don't want it I'll go find someone who does I'll go find right. someone who wants the show idea right 
Yeah. And again, it's just the, and, and we learn those things as we go through experiences, but it is just this notion in my mind of like, when we can reflect back on that and, you know, there's only so much that people can learn by listening. And I, and again, podcasts and all these things, you guys really help because when you're in those situations, I don't, I don't want to take the lesson from people of having you go through it. I want you to remember some of these things when you're in it to be like, ah, that's what they were talking about. And just know that you're not the first person to go through it. You're not the first person to hear no 15 times. I mean, every single venture that I have also, you know, done, there's not one person that I found starting back on my feet, which is the nonprofit before SolidCore and starting that was like, this is a brilliant, this is a brilliant idea. Everybody was like, this is a little nuts. Like, why, why are you doing this? Why are you taking this risk? Why are you putting all your money into this? This is so stupid. And, you know, I realized people were telling me that because all the people that I was surrounded by or asking had never done anything like I was willing to do. So they didn't know any better. And so another piece of advice that I would say when you're trying to do something, make sure you're seeking out the people who've done it because they're examples of it working out. And it's really important to for our, our own, I think, confidence and our ability to see what's possible in the world when we can see examples of things that have worked out when there's going to be plenty of people telling you all of the risks and all of like, oh, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? And all the negative um, and the possibility of what can go wrong. So that's what's so helpful about listening to like these experiences. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. So you're at Disney. The show is going on. You know, what are you learning about your personal brand at this point um, for yourself and what's resonating and how is the radio show going? Oh, gosh, there was a lot of trial and error. I had never worked for anyone else in my whole life. Uh so I, I remember, I remember probably some of the like deeper stuff. I mean, the HR meetings, you can't post this. You can't send us emails at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know, they wanted me to show up and do my job, which was to host the interview. But I was like, I want a TV show. I want this. I mean, I was so ambitious and I thought that was like my one moment. And at the end of the contract, I didn't get that TV show. It ended up something similar ended up coming within that Disney family about like two and a half, three years later with this thing that I did uh, with this program on ABC called Localish. But I remember a lot of that. So really learning about how to just sometimes you have to shut up and do your job, which is super hard for an entrepreneur. Uh, and they're, I mean, they're the top of the top. I mean, it's like Disney, Nickelodeon, MTV, but they are really, you know, you see these stories of these Disney kids and like why some of them end up like wacky after. And I get it. I mean, I was unable to talk about a lot of things that I found. I wish I had been educated about growing up sex ed, body image. And so I wasn't able to do a lot of that. And so I realized at the end of the contract, that I should move on to something where I felt like I could hit the audience I wanted to target. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it was super, I mean, it was awesome. How did, how, did you, how did you know that, Alexa? Was it just like, these are the things I want to talk about and I feel like there is an audience for them? Like, did you did you connect those dots or were you just like, this is what I'm passionate about and I'm going to go find the audience? It was because I went into Disney and it was such a unique story, right? I mean, I was this kid from nowhere. I'm not an actress. I had sworn on a podcast before I had talked about sex on the internet and Disney took that leap on me that I'm forever grateful for uh but I had built a brand for six or seven years it wasn't a brand that I was making millions of dollars off but I was living off of the website I was living off of the tv segment so I already had that fan base I don't think if I had gone to them with like hey I have an idea but I'm I haven't built this yet or I'm kind of not really anyone yet that they would have said yes I think it was because they knew I had the hosting experience 
Yeah. So when I said like, okay, I'm going to leave and I had decided to do the college summit, I knew that was now my audience because that was my age. At that point, I was 19. I had started the website when I was 12. I grew up with a lot of the kids who were following me and vice versa. So it was already there. But the Disney made a lot of sense for me because it was the proof in the pudding because I didn't come from anything. It was them being like, oh, someone actually said yes to her. She's not just this girl with the website and the podcast yeah. or whatever. So it was a big confidence booster for you. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So end of end of Disney happens and you're like, I don't want to renew this, which is also another big risk. Like Disney feels pretty warm, warm water, comforting. Like it, did they... it, it was, it was a bit mutual to be honest. Okay. I would be lying if I said I walked away and I didn't want to renew it. I wanted to renew a TV show. Mm-hmm. And Radio Disney, I realized, and they eventually closed that division of Disney about six months after I left. I realized that they weren't going to give me what I wanted, and I didn't want to be stuck in a pigeonhole of being a radio host. Mm-hmm. That was never my end goal. Uh, and so it was a bit of that. And ultimately, the decision was kind of made for me of like, you know, we're forecasting that Disney, like this division isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. I've asked the TV show. I'm not getting it. I had already started something that was giving me more money, which was the college summits than Disney. And it, I mean, if they had offered me some lucrative deal, of course I would have stayed, but it wasn't, it wasn't my moment. They didn't. So I left. Right. Okay. So college summit idea forms. Tell us about that. Sure. So I started Be Fearless Summit while I was at Disney. I was about like six months in and I had had this idea to just call up a bunch of the celebrities and whatnot that I had interviewed. I had started to get asked to speak on different panels and whatnot about, you know, young people and mental health and entrepreneurship. And so I just thought I'm going to call up like 15 people I know who are already successful and I'm going to redo these events that I've been to. And it ended up being just this total, again, so naive. Uh, I couldn't get one yes after months. I made a whole deck on it. It made no sense to me why no one wanted me to host it at a university. I spoke at a event in Philadelphia and met someone from Drexel and I just said like by the way I remember being like I think I have this bad idea but like ha I think you might be interested she was like oh this is super cool and I was like real and so I stayed in Philly for like an extra day met with them and they were like we'll let you host an event at Drexel we'll promote it we'll have our students go but we're not going to give you any money and I was like no problem so again I thought like I'm just going to call my friends and they're going to come and I slowly started to realize over like five months their kids need food there needs to be titles of these panels so I managed to pull off this massive event completely on my own I got Shake Shack to sponsor I got Headspace to sponsor food money I lost a ton of money doing it but the response was just incredible so I managed to host five more after that um, some during COVID and then was introduced to my now co-founder and that's how it ended up becoming a part of what she had started, which is Grasshopper. Okay. Amazing. So tell us a little bit about, again, the summits and when you're doing this stuff, you know, what, when you decide what you want the panels and titles to look like, uh, and the information that you want people to learn there, where is that coming from and why is that important to you? I learned very hard that entrepreneurs are good at certain things and you can't be good at everything. Uh, I really struggled to have those panel titles. I mean, I would go to things like create and cultivate on their website. I would look at like women's empowerment summits. I would, I mean, chat GPT, if it had existed then, it would have been great. But I would literally be like, okay, there's a panel on money. Who do I know that's in money or who can I email? And people, I mean, it's like podcasts, right? People love to talk about themselves. People love to share their story. Yeah. I never had anyone be like, hey, pay me because they were getting to say, I'm speaking at Drexel, I'm speaking at Vanderbilt. And so mm-hmm. I've given them the vehicle to do that. And because of the Disney connections, I was in with a lot of 
people at Disney at Hulu, ABC. So I would email a lot of them and they were fine to come and their companies would they'd be able to expense it. Uh, but the whole thing was called Be Fearless Summit because like my whole mission was be fearless, get out of your comfort zone. So I wanted to reinvent that career fair in a way that would teach you about mental health, that would teach you about your body. And so for me, I thought that was also the vehicle to go to some of those Shake Shack headspace kind of brands and say, hey, you're going to be able to show your product in front of a thousand students, pay me 500 bucks and I'll do an Instagram post too. Yeah, it's really kind of rolled from there. Yeah. Um, amazing. And so what are the lessons that have sort of happened along the way for you? And so you're saying that the uh, the summit got acquired by by Grasshopper and, you know, tell us where things are now. And then we're going to spend our last little bit uh, diving into more of, again, just the actually it was for personal brand. Now that I have a co-founder, I'm fascinated by founders like myself who did it for so long on their own. And with Grasshopper, I mean, when I decided to let them kind of adopt Be Fearless Summit. It was a bit of like a different style of more of an acquisition, but I stayed on as the co-founder to like revamp what she had already done. And so we've been able to build that out. But it's, it's again, like the same learning curves I had at Disney working with someone and building, a, selling a product that's not myself. It's incredibly difficult. But once you get those people through the door and you build that bit of an audience, I find it's a lot easier to go back to them and really use that core people as your your audience and your demographic to make sure that you're appealing to them and others. And so now we're switching the model a little bit. So a little bit of a pivot. But one of the huge lessons is pivoting. I learned that a lot through COVID with the summits, having to do them virtually. Rejection is redirection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think what you said at the beginning, enjoying the journey. I mean, I've got... I bought a book that it's I reread it anytime I'm frustrated called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living by Dale Carnegie. And it's really an awesome book. There's so many others on entrepreneurship, but this book I find in particular because you put so much of your time and your personal stuff into being an entrepreneur. It's Mm -hmm. so hard to separate your brand from you, but you still have to make sure you're living and enjoying it too. This whole grind and hustle culture, I did that for years and I was miserable. Mm Mm-hmm so unhappy do you think the grind and hustle culture is part of the path and the journey though yes but I think it's like how do you define hustle when I now that I've gotten older I find that I'm able to actually work better for four hours and then do what else I want during the day go on a walk go to a gym class whatever I used to sit from seven o'clock in the morning to 10 p.m at WeWork doing those summits And now I'm like, I could probably do the same amount in the day, but I was ingrained that like, if I leave before 6 p.m. and -hmm. other people are at corporate jobs till 6 p.m., I'm failing. Mm -hmm. I have to make money. It was was so hard doing it all. So I think it's a huge part, but it's also, you don't want to lose yourself in that journey because it's not all about work. Yeah, totally. And I think I think also exactly when you're starting things, um, I was in hustle phase for the beginnings of back on my feet and the beginnings of solid core and not in the beginnings of ambition, because at some point you graduate and you learn how to do things differently. And I just had different access to things and resources and, you know, hiring a team of people and not having to be the one to to do it all. But I think the importance of the hustle and grind is the education that comes along with it it allowed me to figure out actually structure, infrastructure, people, talent, who I need to help with it, what I'm good at, what I'm bad at, you know, what I procrastinate on because it's like, oh, I'm dreading doing this. Why am I dreading it? Oh, because I'm horrible at it. Someone else should come in and do it. 
So there's, I think that that period is helpful for that reason, but it's not a permanency. You don't want to like sign a lease there for 10 years and be like, ah, uh, you know, do you remember Alexa too? I mean, I'm older than you are, but it's like the whole, oh, I sleep for four hours. It's like this rite of passage for success. And I'm like, gosh, we, that was not that long ago where people just had to tell you how busy they were and how much they didn't sleep. And if you slept for eight hours, you're lazy. And I'm just yes. like, yeah. Crazy. I remember that. And I, I, I actually never, I don't know. Did you get sucked into that? I mean, unfortunately, I should say, unfortunately, no, because I can't function off of four hours of sleep. Yeah, I'm the same. So I remember that. And I think it was actually Gary Vee who started that. And it's great that now people are like, no, you need eight hours. But I also was someone who could never exist on that. I remember even like being in LA really struggling with like, okay, you know, if I want to be a celebrity or a person, like I need to go to these parties and I need to do drugs and I need to stay up all these kids. I mean, that world is a whole other world. I mean, they're up till five, six in the morning and like, sure, it's all celebrities and these young TikTokers, but then they sleep till four, but then like, they don't have to, no one's paying my bills. They right. don't have to, it's great if you can wake up and you're given 10K a month to post one Instagram photo and the rest of the time you can screw around. The way that I established myself was not like that. So I couldn't do that. Yeah. I think it's a bad habit to get into. Yeah, I t totally. And again, as we talk about this personal brand, you guys have, and, you know, when people, because I, I, people, I, when I sold solid for, you know, I did a kind of a little UNA with my, my folks. And it's like, and what do you do when things get hard? And it was I like, I remember my personal brand and I remember my values. And if you don't know what your values are, you know, you, you, that's when your personal brand is jeopardized. It's vulnerable and there's a massive liability there because you'll end up doing things that aren't in line with who you are. So you cannot build a personal brand without knowing what your values and your ethics and your ethos are and remaining to stand true to those when things feel tough. So like one of my, one of my personal values is transparency. I'm really open about what is going on, even when we were going through COVID, you know, and it's like you heard about all these horror stories of, you know, people would get emails of like, you're laid off. And, you know, we're like, oh my God, what's happening? Like we got on Zoom calls. We we got on Zoom calls to simply tell people we don't have any new information. You know, we're still shut down. This is what we're working on. And that transparency, why is that important? Because it builds trust. And I felt I can't build this company if people don't trust me and they're not going to trust me if they don't know what's going on. So anyway, it's like once you get really clear on what those values are and you can show examples about stepping into them, that is how people like when someone says, who's Alexa? I think you would hope that there would be some consistency and answers across the board based off of different audiences or folks that you've worked with. Yeah. And like you can't appeal. Not everyone's going to love a solid core class. It might just yeah. not be their vibe. But I think it's super cool to be like, OK, like what is who is the other person you follow? What's the other class you go to? You know, it's not a lot of people find it like super offensive or if they're rejected, it's personal. At the end of the day, I think now people are so ingrained in the social media element of things that everyone's kind of the word soft is the easiest way to describe it. But it's not a nice word. But you got to like toughen up. Business is hard. This mm -hmm. is it's all hard. I mean, you're going to be rejected. You're not a fit for that role, right? Like you're right. just you're not going to get it like move on. Uh, so yeah. Something up a bit, <laughs> you know, get a little bit more rejected. You'll realize that you'll get something better in the future. Well, I remember, you know, getting attacked in COVID like at all the other female founders. And I just remember stepping in and saying at some point of you're upset 
about expectations that you have had about me that I've never committed to you. You want me to be this way and X way and I'm not. And and you think I need to apologize for that because I'm not who you want me to be. And I think that's such a really important lesson for women because we are used to as soon as someone, you know, feels bad or doesn't like us, what do we do? We apologize. What, what can I do to make you like me? And guys, that's where the personal brand starts to erode. You can't build a personal brand if you're not, if you're afraid of not being liked. There are plenty of people out there who dislike Ann Mallon, who, you know, think that I am a bitch, who think that I'm too demanding, who think that I'm too direct, who whatever, have any perception that they want about me. And maybe they had a bad experience with me. I can't control, you know, every part of that. But I can tell you if you're concerned and you're a people pleaser, you know, it's really hard to build something uh, if that's what you're focused on all the time, because as the old adage goes, you can please all the people some of the time, some of the people all the time, but you cannot please all the people all the time. And it's a death sentence if you ask me. I have no better way to say it than exactly how you said it. <laughs> have you ever been challenged on your personal brand when you're like, I'm, I can't do that? Or like, is there moments when you have that you can think of that you can share with the audience where you're like, mm -mm, I'm not being involved in that or have said no to an opportunity or something? That's a great question. A, a few different times. I think I've been lucky. I think the word authentic is so important. And I think, I mean, my first podcast was called This Is Life Unfiltered. I've had this unfiltered thing about me for so long that people, I've never really, I don't, now with TikTok, I get more of like the hate stuff or if I post a video, whatever. I'm not someone who's frequently gotten a lot of emails over the years, like what you say is stupid or this is dumb every here and there. Now, again, more on TikTok because that's the way it's been set up. But more so like with brand partnerships, I mean, I've the easiest ways to get paid being an influencer. Alcohol brands have a lot of money. Marijuana has a lot of money and sex brands have a lot of money, not like porn, but like vibrator and stuff like that. Uh, and so there's been times that I mean, I remember at Disney, I mean, I was not making millions at Disney, you'd be shocked at how much the like beginner talent makes. So still having to do my personal brand on the side of that, but then having signed this contract, there was times when I definitely said no. Uh, and looking back, it's probably best that I had said no. But I mean, if someone offers you $10,000 to talk about a vibrator, like it's 10,000 bucks. But in the scheme of things and like building a brand, I always said no to those things, because that's something in my personal life, or like I'd rather not talk about online or do it in the right way so sometimes you want to jump on the money but you have to think about it twice because that wasn't authentic to me so probably probably mostly those like just saying no to good money because I didn't want to talk about that yeah product. yeah and trust me people listening might be like oh well, that was such a privilege to say no it, it is when you have enough money you don't need to do that it, it, it sure it can be and depending on what your out your your goal is at the end of it, we need to realize that decisions we make, you know, aren't just living in the moment, right? We live in a place where everything is videoed and recorded and this and that, and you can see all these things. So is that going to help you or hurt you? It's the, no different than the immediate gratification and like easy choices, hard life, hard choices, easy life. The decisions that we make today, is this going to serve me today and tomorrow? Or is this just going to get me paid today and I'm going to pay for it later? Exactly. And I remember, I mean, when I said no to that, it wasn't like uh, I didn't have the money. I had just started like I was in so much debt. I mean, I still have some debt I'm paying off. So it, sure, it was a privilege because that would be awesome to, to someone. But it's more like I, I said no and I didn't I shouldn't I couldn't financially afford to say no. But I went into more debt knowing that 
to me, it could put me in a different difficult position or hurt my future if I wanted to stay with Disney. If I said no, I just figured out a way. And I, I don't exactly remember, but I honestly probably was like going into more debt, which isn't a good thing, or doing another TV segment I didn't want to do to have to make up for some of those thousands I lost by not saying yes. Yeah. Um, totally get that. And, you know, let's let's actually chat a second about personal brand and relates to like I'll tell you someone who has an extraordinary personal brand that I'm not a fan of, Donald Trump. And like people confuse, like, oh my God, I hate that. It's like, sure. But the guy is extraordinary at his brand. He knows his audience. He knows exactly how to talk to them. There's very few people who frankly are better than than he is. Uh, it's crazy. But like, if you guys want to think about, you know, who is someone that you can think of, whether you like them or not, Alexa. You know that- Say it again. You know who Candace Owens is? No. Oh, you probably if you Google her, you'll probably recognize her. Uh, And she is she's exactly I mean, she's like in the Trump circle. I'm not like a Trump person. I didn't vote for Trump. I wouldn't vote. I know who she is. I know who she is. Yeah. Black conservative. uh, Not. But to be honest, I'd be lying if I said I didn't scroll through her stuff. I think it's fascinating. Not only do I think she's super appealing to look at, like, I think she's super pretty. Uh, I mean, the stuff she says is completely insane. But you think she's Really think about it. I mean, and I think there was another girl, Tommy Lauren, another like Fox yeah, conservative. She got nixed from something because she said she's pro-abortion. And I so I think, you know, her whole thing is anti-abortion, Christians, Republican. We hate trans people. We hate gay people. And now you're pro-abortion. So then she right. lost that TV show. So like, you know, take this stuff with a grain of salt. I mean, I think some of the stuff Candace does is so insane. You have to be completely insane to say that. And I don't think I think she's built a really damn good brand. And to her at this point, it's worth the million she's making to say, like, there shouldn't be ads with people in wheelchairs. I would just be shocked if she actually. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what's inside exactly her her own head and if these things are really working. But, you know, one of my favorite Tony Robbins quotes is the problem with your beliefs is you believe them. And we know so very few of us question them. But, yeah, I mean, the personal brand aspect is. You're not going to find someone who has a strong personal brand who isn't a little polarizing, who like it's very I mean, you'll find like Tom Hanks, you know, you'll find very few of them who are like, oh, my God, everybody loves them. And frankly, most people who it's interesting because there's like a list of like the top 10 beloved people. And there's like one woman on it. Of course, it's like all men, you know, like the fatherly figure who takes care and provides for you and plays the nice guy in all the movies. Um but yeah, I think it'll be really hard pressed to find somebody who's been super successful who hasn't been polarizing, you know, along the way. And I know you mentioned Solid Core earlier, but like our whole shtick is we're not for everybody. And brands that come out and tell you like we're for ev- everybody can do this. This water bottles for every. I mean, it's just like I want to stick my finger down my throat because I'm just like that is not that is not a brand. There's nothing about that that's interesting. You don't stay what you're for, the type of person you're for. And every single brand has an audience that they're trying to talk to. And we can't be afraid to have a certain other, like outside of the audience, be like, oh, gosh, I would never wear that. It's like, great, I'm not speaking to you. Like, I'm speaking to these people. So just remembering that with personal brand, you're going to come across uh, obstacles and resistance from people who aren't on board with what you're saying, what you're doing, what you're promoting. But if you're if you're truly authentic about those things, that's really all that matters. And you have to be consistent with that message. Yeah. And it's so cool to like, if we'd all be so boring, if we all like the same stuff. Yeah. 
I mean, it, yeah, it would just be a totally different ballgame. So it's cool to be different and be authentic with your own thoughts. Yeah. Um, okay, awesome. I asked a few questions at the end of each podcast. I usually just pick one. And my favorite one that I've asked is, Success is different for all of us in different points in our life. So where you sit right now, Alexa, when you put your head at the pillow at the end of the night, how do you know if you've had a successful day? Oh, this, if you asked me like three weeks ago, it would probably be different because I've done a lot of like work to try and understand that. I think just feeling grounded at this point in who I am, the mm. career stuff I'm trying to remember, it's all noise at the end of the day, like it's fueling me. But sometimes I get too lost in the frustrations of how hard this is. Mm -hmm. And I say to myself, like, I want this moment to come. Like, what what is that moment? I don't know. Is it a number in my bank account I want to see? Is it being able to fly private? I mean, all that stuff is so materialistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's feeling content with me. Yeah. And exactly. It's like you can look at somebody who thinks they have it all, but if they're a mess inside their own head and they you know, don't love themselves and they're limiting belief and all these things. And like, don't, I always tell people, don't confuse success with peace of mind, success with happiness, success with self-love. Like those things are not related and they don't go hand in hand. Often they frankly are, you know, contradicting of, of another. So it's, don't look at what people have, look at, you know, how well are you sleeping? Are you taking care of yourself? How, what's the quality and the strength of your relationships? You know, those are true testaments of somebody that has done the self-work and, you know, is uh, is proud of the person that they are and are kind to other people. Totally. Um, so, Alexa, where can people find out a little bit more about Grasshopper and and yourself? So my social media is at Alexa underscore Curtis. And then Grasshopper is uh, grasshopper.com. And uh, we're planning another summit too for next year. So that'll be awesome. And podcast and whatnot are coming back too. Awesome. Well, congratulations on all your success. And thanks for taking the time to share so much of your story and your knowledge with our listeners today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for building a gym that I love to go to. Oh, well, I love that. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you later. Hey everyone, if you are loving these how-to podcasts, I would greatly appreciate you to follow, rate, and review. It helps us get these podcasts out to more people who are looking for these actionable items on how to make real progress in their life. Thank you so much. You know I appreciate you.